0: but I want to keep this posture of keeping our eyes towards Jesus and think back to that song turn your eyes upon Jesus and the song before open the eyes of my heart Lord and listen again to the passage I read earlier that very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? As they stood still, looking sad, one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these past days? And he said to them, What things? He said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, and it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us, They were at the tomb early in the morning, and and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they even saw a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of them who were with us, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them all the scripture, the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table, with them he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn with us within us while he talked to us on the road, and while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told him what had happened to them on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. That is the word of the Lord to us this morning. And God, we do ask that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that you would push us to turn our eyes to you as we dive into this text and figure out what it has to say to us this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For those who have been with us for a while, you know that sometimes I can interpret Scripture differently. That text reminds me of the game Hot and Cold. You guys know it? I mean, It's, it's kind of like the game Hide and Seek right? Except in hide and seek, what happens is one person covers their eyes and everybody goes and hides. And then that one person goes and finds them. The game hot and cold is kind of opposite. One person goes and and hides an object of some sort while everybody else closes their eyes. And then when the time comes, everybody goes and looks for it. And the the person who hid the object kind of says somebody's getting close. Hey, you're you're getting warmer, warmer, hotter, 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 right? You You know the game. As they're going further away, it's colder, colder, cold. This text reminds me of that. And in just a moment, I want to show you why. But before then, I want to have our kids play the game hot and cold. I need nine brave kids. Come on up. Just the first nine. Just sit here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, I would encourage that uh, all the parents do all you can to keep your arms and feet inside the plane um, because there might be some running. Just saying. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12. Perfect. You guys, that, that is great. That is great. Okay. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. I want the first one. Are you brave? Yeah. 30 seconds of braveness can change your life. Okay. One, two, three, four. Okay. You four coming up. All right. Close your eyes for just a second. Okay. Close them tight. Okay. I'm going to hide something. Okay. Honestly, I already hit it. Here's the deal. Somewhere in the sanctuary, there are um, very large pieces of candy. Okay? Uh, You kids that are sitting still, no peeking, no looking. Okay? So you four, um, remind me your name. Emery. Thank you. Okay. Let me see if I know everybody. I think I do. So um, go. Go look. And when somebody's getting close, I will say so. Warmer, warmer, warmer. You! (laughs) You! hotter, hotter, hotter. She was here for worship practice. Okay. Come on. Get excited. You, did you find it? Did you notice how she picked it up right there? Abby, can I grab one more uh, candy from in your bag? Perfect. Okay. Now there's four there. So um, yeah, yeah. Hand them out. There you go. Perfect. There. Uh, Go back and sit with your parents, whoever brought you. Uh, ask them if you can eat it now. Okay? Um, <laughs> I'm going to let... Good job, Pastor James. One, two, three, four. You four. Okay? Um, there's no more candy back there, just saying. Okay? But somewhere else in the sanctuary, there are, uh, there's another group of candy. Okay? So, Go. Well, you just keep walking. I know enough names to tell you. Um, You're getting cooler, like (laughs) colder. You guys are, you know, kind of-ish. Okay, cooler, cooler. I know it's kind of embarrassing to play a game in front of everybody. Warmer, 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 hotter, 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 hot, 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 hotter, hotter. Bring them back. All right. Yeah, you guys can clap for them. Kids like that. <laughs> grown, up, grown ups like that too. Okay, same thing. Go ask your parents or whoever you're sitting with if you can eat them now or later. Okay, perfect. You guys, get, you get, as adults, you understand the game now, right? Okay, perfect. Um, and you guys are thinking, can I play? I want to play. You see how big those candy bars are? You three. Okay. You know, you can't play again. Did you play? You already played. No? Come on up here. But you're going to have to share your candy with your sister because she shared with you. All right. One more batch. Ready, set, go. I know. Uh, colder. Colder. Ezra, you're getting a little bit warmer. Just a little bit. Now you're going warmer. Warmer. Warmer, yeah. War- warmer. JJ's pretty warm, very warm. What, what, what? Hot, hot. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> was off of Here, I'm giving you the same candy that your sister got so you can give back her half. The game hot and cold, you understand the game, right? When somebody's getting warmer well closer, it's warmer, warmer, hotter, hotter, hotter. When I read this passage, that's what I thought of. Because as, as outside observers, 2,000 years later, we're sitting there watching these two disciples who start this journey from Jerusalem, and they're going towards Emmaus, and, and they're, they're talking about what had happened, and all of a sudden Jesus shows up, and, and, and we really want them to see Jesus, right? So from the outside, we're like, warmer, warmer, warmer. And then he says, well, what are you guys talking about? And they say, well, this guy Jesus of Nazareth, and we're like, hey, you're, hot, you're hot, you're hot, he's right here, right? And they go, and, and they go, and then Jesus says, oh, man... You you fools, and why don't you understand the things in Scripture? And at that point, you're like, oh, ouch, colder. Colder, colder, and then you get to Emmaus, and it seems as if Jesus is going to start walking, and we're watching, thinking, Colder, colder, don't let him go. He's right there. Don't let him go. And, and then at dinner, when they actually realize who it is, I got to imagine that just like the kids who found the candy here, their arms flew up, and they were super excited, and then they couldn't wait to run back and tell the other people. You see, just like the game, hotter and colder, right? Just like at least in my head, okay? The question I usually ask at the end of the sermon is, what do we do with that? Well, I'm going to ask it now. And I'm going to say that, well, okay, I found five kind of life lessons, kind of faith lessons in this in this text that we can learn from this walk to Emmaus and this game hot and cold, okay? So five lessons. I realized that five is a big number. And by the time you get home today, you're not going to remember five lessons. Lessons. Frankly, we'll be good if we remember one. So if you remember anything, remember this. The point of today's message is this Jesus wants to be found. Jesus wants to be found. Okay? And we're going to learn five life lessons. Um, Caleb, because you're so excited, can you hand these out to any of, especially the littles that are in here? Okay? So the younger ones, uh, you're getting some coloring sheets to do during the service. Caleb, there's one right back there too, okay? Uh, older kids, if you want a color and there's enough left over, that's fine. Otherwise, fill in the blanks in your bulletin insert. Okay. Five life lessons with the overarching lesson being Jesus wants to be found. First lesson, here we go. Jesus is found in the scriptures. Some of you are thinking... Duh. Well, yeah, we're, we're going to go with a simple lesson first. Jesus is found in the scriptures. As the disciples are walking and Jesus shows up and he asks them, what are you talking about? And they, they start telling him what they were talking about. We get to that line in verse 25 to 27 in Luke 24 where Jesus says, oh, guys, you just don't get it, do you? And he says, you, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering glory? And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things that were said concerning him. He was pointing back to the the scriptures that they had, our Old Testament, saying, look, I'm scattered throughout in here. Look for me. I can't believe you guys can't see this. In fact, later that night, you know, our text tells us that the two ran back to Jerusalem. I didn't read far enough in there, but they, they gathered with the other disciples, and Jesus showed up again. And again, he points that entire group back to the scriptures. This is verse 44 of Luke 24. Then Jesus told this entire group, he said, When I was with you before, I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets, and in the Psalms that must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. And it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in Jerusalem and beyond, that there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent, and you are witnesses of these things." Jesus, again, is pointing back to the scriptures. Because that's where he is found. And even though the disciples on the walk on the road didn't really realize that's what was taking place, they felt something. And they mentioned it later. Verse 30, let's see, I think it was 32. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? It may be a basic lesson, but Jesus is found in here. So if you're struggling, where where, where is Jesus? You know, I'm looking for him in the life of my pastor. I'm looking for him, you know, in the the things that we get at church. I'm looking for him in all these self-help books. Don't look there, look in the scriptures. And a great place to start is in the gospels, the life story of Jesus. Now, after that, you may be thinking, is he in the rest of it? This happened this morning to me. I had prepped my message, and I was was spending some time with God, and I was praying through the things that we were going to talk about, and I've been reading Zechariah lately, just a crazy prophet. And there's all sorts of battle and bloodshed and everything going on in there. And I said, all right, Jesus, if I'm going to tell people that you're in the Scriptures, could you show me yourself in Zechariah? He's got a sense of humor. Chapter 9 says, Rejoice, O people of Zion! Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem! Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey. Riding on a donkey's colt. Chapter 10, verse 4. From Judah will come the cornerstone, the tent peg, the bow. Jesus called himself the cornerstone. That's in the Gospels. Verse or chapter 11. So they counted out for my wages 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter. That's a story in the Gospels. Chapter 12. Then I will pour out my spirit and of grace and prayer on the family of David and on the people of Jerusalem, and they will look on me whom they have pierced and mourn for me as an only son. Chapter 13. Strike down the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. At that point, I'm like, okay, God, you made your point. Jesus is in the scriptures. We can find him there. Why? Because he wants to be found. Jesus wants to be found. That's lesson number one. Lesson number two from this game of hot and cold that we see on the walk to Emmaus. Jesus is found in the everyday moments of our lives. Jesus is found in the everyday moments of our lives. The passage begins, Luke 24, verse 13 to 15. Listen for the repeated word. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened, and they talked and discussed these things. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. What word was repeated? Walking. Where did Jesus meet them? on the walk what was perfectly normal and an everyday moment in that day and age how did people get around they walked right if peter wanted to see james and john he walked if you wanted to go to the market to get groceries you walked this was an everyday moment that jesus showed up now you could say but james they didn't find him there afterwards they would have thought that they did cuz you know their hearts were warmed if you want to push me on that, I'll say, okay, let's go to the next everyday moment in this text. And that everyday moment is found in verse 30 and 31. As they sat down to eat, I said, everyday moment? Yeah? As they sat down to eat, he took the bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to them, and suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. It's an everyday moment. Now, there's a lot of people, scholars and others, that will look at that little thing and they'll say, well, look, look at the order that Jesus did that. He took the bread. He blessed the bread. He broke the bread. Well, of course they're going to know it was him because they're thinking back to the feeding of the 5,000. Because that's the order that Jesus did it there too. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, he fed everybody. It's a big event. Of course they're going to remember that. Well, maybe they're thinking, or oh, just a few days ago, this happened again at the Last Supper we celebrate communion with it. Jesus took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and then he handed it to them. So we could say that it was because of those big events that they remembered, but I would say, you know, let's not jump to that. Let's just figure that this was an ordinary dinner at an ordinary house after a long, ordinary walk with an ordinary piece of bread. So how did they know it was Jesus? Well, perhaps because they had had Countless ordinary dinners with him before in the last three and a half years. And on those times, my guess is a lot of them were like, Hey, Jesus, would you pray for dinner? And when he did, you know, he did. And then at that dinner, that ordinary dinner after Emmaus, when Jesus prayed, they had to have recognized him. It's in the ordinary, everyday moments of our lives. My grandpa was a longtime pastor. And when he passed away, I got one of his commentary sets and sometimes I use it to study and I can look at his underlines and it's as if he's sitting next to me uh, and we're studying together. And one of the things he underlined in the passage that we're looking at now was this. The commentator writes, it is not only at the communion table that we can be with Christ. We can be with him at the supper table too. It's an everyday moment. So walking eating dinner, a common dinner meal. Jesus is found in the everyday moments. So what does that mean for us? Yes, on a Sunday morning, we should come expecting to find and see Jesus. Yes, when you are studying scripture and praying on your own, you should expect to find and see Jesus. When you go to summer camp, you should expect, and find to, you should expect to see Jesus. But how about this? Start looking for him in the ordinary, everyday moments of your lives. When your kid laughs, find Jesus in the joy of his, of his or her face. When you see a perfect stranger, open the door for another perfect stranger. See Jesus in that act of service. When your friend, for the first time ever, says, Hey, man, I love you, bro, find joy in that unconditional love and find Christ in that unconditional love. Look for Jesus in the everyday moments. Why? Because Jesus wants to be found. Lesson number one Jesus is found in Scripture. Lesson number two, Jesus is found in the everyday moments of our lives. Lesson number three, and this one's a little bit harder to swallow. Sometimes, no matter how close Jesus is, no matter how much we struggle to find him, no matter how much we search to find him, no matter how much others around us are shouting hotter, 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 or colder, 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 sometimes we won't find Jesus. Sometimes we won't see Jesus. Now you may be thinking, but James, you're telling me Jesus wants to be found. Why are you telling me that sometimes we won't find him? Well, I'm telling you that because I see that in the text. I really struggled with this as this point kind of came to, to, to fruition. And I started studying, looking at why other people thought Jesus wasn't seen by these disciples on the walk. One person said, well, if you look at the time of day, And you look at the geography from Jerusalem to Emmaus, you're going to realize that in that time of day, the disciples are walking into the sun. So they can't see Jesus because they're squinting. For seven miles? I don't think so. Somebody else said, well, they don't recognize Jesus because he's in his resurrected body. Remember, Mary Magdalene didn't recognize him at first. She thought he was a gardener. That's a little better. But as soon as Jesus said something to Mary, she recognized it was him. Jesus had six and a half miles of conversation with these guys. You would have thought that they would have recognized him. So why am I saying sometimes we won't see Jesus? Oh, here's where it's tough. I think there's three reasons. The first is this. Sometimes it's God. It's God's fault. Sometimes he keeps you and others from seeing Jesus find that in verse 17. Excuse me, verse 16. Actually, I'll go to 15. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus suddenly came and began walking with them. Verse 16, but God kept them from recognizing him. In the English Standard Version, it says, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. I want to argue with God on this. God, why are you doing this? Why not show them Who Jesus is. He's right there with us. Does that have anything to do? Is it similar at all to what took place in Luke chapter 9 or Luke chapter 18? In both of those chapters, Jesus talks about what's going to happen when he gets to Jerusalem. He'll be handed over. He'll be arrested. He'll be beaten. He'll be crucified. He'll die. And on the third day, he'll rise again. Both in Luke 9 and in Luke 18, the verses say they didn't know what Jesus was talking about because the significance was hidden from them. It was hidden from them. Why would God do that? Was he waiting for just the right moment? We could say that's the case in here. But still, there's a part of me where there's a rub in that. We've got 50-ish names on those sticky notes in that window right there of people we're praying for who don't know Jesus. And I want to say, God, why won't you open the eyes of those people's names today? Are you keeping them from seeing them, from seeing Jesus? I decided this morning not to try and answer that because I want us to sit in that unsettled because I don't know if we can answer it. But sometimes we may not see Jesus because God is saying, I don't want you to see him yet, at least. Sometimes we're not going to see Jesus because it's our own fault. It's our own fault. Sometimes we get so caught up in our own emotions, in the events of our own life, that we just flat out miss him. That happened to the disciples Right? They were walking. They were talking. Jesus comes to them and says, what are you talking about? And he says, we're talking about the the things that happened to Jesus of Nazareth. Are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know what happened? How's that for irony? Yeah. Hey, fella, you don't know what took place? Jesus said to them, well, what things are you talking about? And when he said this, they stopped short. This is verse 17. They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. They were so caught up in what was going on within them that they didn't see Jesus in front of them. Sometimes that happens to us. We get so caught up in the events of life and the sadness that we're going through or the joy that we're going through that we miss seeing Christ and he's right there. Now, sometimes... It's also our fault because we have certain expectations for the way Jesus should show up. We think, well, I've always heard of Jesus showing up in this way, so I'm only going to expect him in that way. And then when we don't see him loud and clear in that specific way, all of a sudden we're like, well, what's happening? what took place for these guys. Verse 21, they explained to Jesus what had happened, and then they said in verse 21, we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. We had hoped, we had expected the Messiah story to play out in a certain way, and it didn't play out, so all of our hopes are dashed. And Jesus is sitting there saying, wait now, let me explain to you that the way the Messiah story is supposed to go actually did play out. But the disciples couldn't see him because their expectations, their hopes was not what they had thought. So sometimes we won't see Jesus because God's keeping us from it. Sometimes we won't see Jesus because the mess in our own life is getting in the way. And how's this? Sometimes we won't see Jesus because we're just too smart. We know too much. We're too familiar with the story. Numerous times leading up to this event, numerous times leading up to Christ being crucified, Jesus pulled the disciples aside and said, hey, this is what's going to happen. When we get there, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. I'm going to be put in a tomb. But three days later, I'm going to come out. He said that two, three, four times in these gospel stories. And when Jesus was asking the disciples what happened, and they said, well, we had hoped that the Messiah was going to it was going was gonna to happen this way, but it didn't. And they finished that sentence. This is the end of verse 21. It said, this all happened three days ago. Did you catch that? The end of verse 21. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since things, these things have happened. Do we not want to just yell out, hotter, hotter, hotter. Jesus told you it was going to happen on the third day. You're saying it's the third day. Do you not see it? Sometimes we are so familiar with the story that we miss Jesus in the story. This is a risk, especially for those who grew up in the church. Decades upon decades. When you guys started hearing this morning, the walk to Emmaus, at least one person in here thought, hmm, I've heard 10 sermons on that. I know the direction Pastor James is going to go. I don't have to listen. Of course, you may think that every week but maybe this particular text. You're so familiar with the story, it's like there can be nothing new. What if Jesus wants to show up in a new and fresh way that's simple? How crazy would that be? Lesson number three is sometimes we won't see Jesus. Sometimes it's God's fault. Sometimes it's the mess in our own life. And sometimes maybe we're just trying too hard. Maybe we know the story too well. Maybe we just need to step back and say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to read this, even though I've read it a hundred times, as if it's the first time I'm reading it. Jesus wants to be found. I'm telling you that. He wants to be found. Two more lessons. These two are pretty quick. Lesson number four. That's number four from the game hot and cold as we see played out in the story of the walk to Emmaus. Jesus won't make you find him. Jesus won't make you find him. He won't force himself on you. He, He wants you to invite him in. Verse 28. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey and Jesus acted as if he was going on. He acted as if he was going on. Other translations said he continued on as if he was going further. He gave the impression he was going on. Bottom line, Jesus wasn't going to impose on the men. They hadn't seen him for six and a half miles of walking. He's not going to force himself on them. He's not going to barge into their lives unless he is invited. Which the men, of course, did. Verse 29. They begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. I fully believe that Jesus wants to be found. And I fully believe that he wants us to invite him into our lives. Have you made that choice? Have you sat here and listened today and thought, huh, I can think of this past week where maybe my heart was strangely warmed and Jesus was trying to, to get a hold of me. He's trying to knock on the doors of my heart. Maybe I need to say, all right, Jesus, it's time to come in. It's funny because the term drawn near, which is early on in this, I think is in verse 15, is the exact same phrase as used in Revelation 3.20. On that whole, behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's the, same, it's the same word. Jesus wants us to invite him in. But if you open the door, I will come in and share a meal with you. So Jesus isn't going to barge in. He wants the invite. That's lesson number four. Final lesson number five. In this game of hot and cold that's played out in the walk to Emmaus. When you find Jesus, response is necessary. When you find Jesus, response is necessary. Verses 31 to 35. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, poof, he disappeared. I just wish he would have stayed there and talked a little bit longer, but he didn't. He disappeared. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road? And they explained the scriptures to us. And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the other 11 disciples and told them what happened. They told them what happened. Their response was necessary. You see what they did? They completed the first ever recorded half marathon. It's in the Bible. They walked from Emmaus to Jerusalem, roughly six and a half, seven miles. Jesus showed up. They were so excited. They, they waited till the morning once their muscles had, you know, relaxed. And then they No. They got up and they went back. Another six and a half miles, as fast as they could. They could not wait to tell. They did exactly what the kids did when they found the candy. Somebody, 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 I want want to share this with them. When you find Jesus, response is necessary. So my question to you guys is, have you found him? And if yes, how have you responded? Have you shared with somebody else? Are you still sharing with somebody else? Jesus wants to be found. Five simple lessons from the game hot and cold as seen in the walk to Emmaus. So what do we do with this? I asked it earlier and I've kind of been giving you some stuff all along. I'm not going to add too much more. If anything, I draw you back to what I've said in the end of the last two sermons in the last two weeks. Easter Sunday, two weeks ago, we looked at return, remember, respond. Okay? Okay? If you have found a Jesus, you must respond. Now, that response may look different for different people. If nothing else, be praying. Your response may be praying for the sticky notes on the window. Okay? So, the other thing we started um, either last week or the week before is the Gospel Journey Challenge. We're trying to read through all four Gospels in about a six-week stretch. If Jesus is found in the Scriptures, go in the Scriptures and read. Okay. Those are the two take homes or any of the other things I've asked you on these five points. Jesus wants to be found. What lesson will you remember later today? What lesson will stick with you throughout the week? And how will you respond to that? Simple lessons from a game of hot and cold on the walk to Emmaus. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the story. I thank you as I've thanked you, I think the past couple of weeks, that you didn't give up on those two, those two disciples, those two followers of yours as they walked. You had to have some harsh language with them, but ultimately you, you pointed out where you were in the Scriptures. And I thank you for that. God, there's a lot of different things that we could take away from this morning. And I want to pray that you would, you would encourage us not to, not to leave just trying to remember all five points, but that you would encourage us to remember one and to somehow apply that one lesson to our life today and this week. And Father, I, I want to pray that you would give us the joy of our salvation like we saw those two followers of you have. And I want to I want to pray that it looks like the joy of our kids as they found that candy. May it be so contagious in us that people ask about it and that we want to share. This is your story, Lord. It's the story you're continuing to write in our lives.